Welcome to the Marketing Intern Spotlight. A marketing intern is a listener who's spreading our message authentically. Hear their story, their passion, and their journey. Enjoy. Today we have former coach of St. Thomas, Chris Hughesby on the back pocket. How are you doing today, Coach Hughesby? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So a little background for all the marketing interns is you are listening right now to probably the top, I would say top three, top five marketing mm. interns of all time in the back pocket. So we're, we're very stoked to have you on. <laughs> this is going to be a wild time. So hey, thanks for coming on. It's surreal. I've heard everything. I've listened to every episode with the exception of today and uh, fun to be here. I know. This is awesome. And this is... Uh, you will be our last marketing intern spotlight of the year. Sweet. So that will be number 22, and I think that's well well honored, well deserved. Uh, so when you t- reached out to us back when we were playing football, uh, when you were coaching us, that was 2017 of fall, mm-hmm. and we were probably 30, 25, 30 episodes in, maybe even a little bit less than that. Yeah. And you, you were like, I love what you guys are doing. I'm thinking about doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. As a special teams coach, uh, and by special teams we're talking punter, kicker, long snapper, and you're like, well, how did you guys get started? And that was the, I mean, that was the connection that kind of brought us together. Was you wanted to start your podcast with fourth down experience? Mm-hmm. So let's kind of walk through those early stages of you kind of like seeing what we we're doing, and then you're like, hey, this is this could work with me for sure. Yeah, so it was kind of interesting. So yeah, so I'm a I'm a kicking coach, you know, and run a kicking academy, and my camp partner. You know, we had been talking about maybe trying to do a podcast. We had just gotten into Gary V and all that stuff. And he was kind of like, oh, I don't know, you know, maybe, you know, so I had to kind of talk to him about it. And all of a sudden, I think we were setting up for scout kickoff. And all of a sudden, you just like dropped the podcast. You're like, hey, do a podcast or something like that. And I was like, cool. And I was like, all right. And then like I thought about it. I was like, wait a second. We're trying to start a podcast. I might as well pick your brain on how it works. And and then you just, you guys were great for uh Helping us get launched and get going. Yeah, I, you bring up a great point. I'm always plugging the podcast, and even when I'm gassed uh, at, on scout team as a senior, I'm always still trying to tell everyone about the podcast. And, you know, of course you heard. And we spent probably, what, 30 minutes on the phone, uh, like on a Sunday night one time, mm-hmm. I think, and we were just dicing up your content, how you how to start a podcast and stuff. And that was back before it was easy to start a podcast with Anchor. Thank mm-hmm. God. Do you host on Anchor or where do you guys host? Not yet. We're at SoundCloud, but we're SoundCloud. Okay. possibly transitioning over. Yeah, definitely, okay. definitely do that. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Let's shamelessly plug fourth down experience. So <laughs> right. let's get into it a little bit. Um, the reason behind the starting of fourth down experience and then kind of like what you guys are all about. Sure. So kind of around the time we spoke, fall of last year, um, Brian and I were talking about starting a podcast and we're trying to figure out what we want to do. And obviously it was going to have a special teams tie to it. And we were trying to figure out ways to just give back. You know, I'm kind of at that age where I always want to give back and, and, and help people along the way. And that's sort of my nature. And uh, so we decided on the fourth down experience podcast. And in every episode, you know, we'll talk about current event type stuff. And then we ended on... Um, just talking about industry tips, you know, what things kickers and punters should be doing at this point in the year. And then in the middle, we always interview an NFL kicker, punter, long snapper. So that was really fun, and it was kind of surreal because you end up interviewing people you, like, watch on TV or you're fans of and things like that. So it uh, it snowballed, and it was it was pretty fun. 
couple of guys that stand out to you the most in, in that realm of you're like, wow, we're actually having this person on. Well, Pat McAfee was the biggest one. Mm, yeah, and it was, you know, and, and it's hard to get a hold of these guys sometimes, but usually it's through Instagram. Right. Um, we had uh, John Carney on. He was pretty big. Um, Harrison Butker. Harrison Butker. Cairo Santos. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much every guy that is, like, you're trying to figure out who's going to be picked up on your waiver wire in fantasy football, like, that's usually, like, those are, have been your podcast guests. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're trying to do, and it's been easier to get the younger guys, because yeah. I think they get it. And then the older guys that have been a little bit more established, they're harder to get a hold of. And, mm -hmm. you know, one guy we had to go through, we interviewed Bradley Pinion, and we had mm -hmm. to go through the PR department with 49ers, we had to get it cleared and everything. Really? So, yeah. So, How was that? Would you like, hey, we're, we're a podcast about kickers? Yeah. Would you, do you have to explain yourself? or? Yeah. Uh, with with Bradley, we were like, yeah, you know, we do this fourth down experience podcast. We've interviewed these guys. Mm -hmm. We'd love to have you be a guest. And he's like, sure. But you got to contact 49ers. And we're right. like, all right, just let us know who we have talked to. So he gave us the number and and uh, our email. And then we contacted them. And the guy was like, sure. And then he, we had kind of a hard window to like work with because it had to be during like their business hours. Right. So we were like interviewing at like one thirty and Brian was, like, at work, like, in his office, like, trying to do the, no, the interview. Right. No, I think he went to the car. He had to go to his car and was, like, sitting on the phone doing the interview. But yep. it's, it's kind of fun, the little ways it all works out, you know. I think that's wild to point out, too, is the structure of your podcast is if a little unusual in the sense of your co-host is not in the same state. Yeah. So you've done every single podcast, all 48, is that correct? 44. 44, um, remotely. So mm -hmm. he's in Alabama, yep. and you're up here in the Twin Cities, uh, and I just that blows my mind. Like, you, you, have you? Do you have the uh, vision of being together for one like podcast eventually? Well, we actually did one together. Okay, uh, weekend we ran a camp. We just sat in our hotel rooms and we interviewed this guy that was part of the Spring League, which is one of those development leagues. Um, was that a change up for you having him sitting right next yeah, to you? Yeah, it was nice because we could look <laughs> at each other and we could like signal when it was like your turn to talk. Mm -hmm. You know, and we would, for a while, we would use Skype, and we'd, like, point to each other, and, like, when it was my turn, I would just point to my nose, and then he would do that, so mm -hmm. it's, but now we've kind of figured out a flow, or we just know that we're probably going to alternate, or if there's, like, a two-second lag, it's, you know, the next guy's going to say something, so, yeah, it's challenging. How, how has it been, like, on a growth side, too, like, who's who's got what responsibility for making the podcast, and who's get, acquiring new guests, that kind of stuff? Um, we both go about trying to get new guests. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually do it from the podcast Instagram handle and then he's, Brian's got his own Instagram handle. With, he's got a blue check because he's kind of, he's grown into some fame with doing trick shots. And so people kind of respond to that. Mm -hmm. So we both kind of, we both help set it up. Um, I'm doing all the editing now. Um, mm -hmm. Brian's got a full-time job as well. So I've got a little bit more time. So, nice. um, and then he does a lot of the social media photos and things like that. So we kind of have a good trade off of that. So that's another thing we got to mention as well is you're an entrepreneur. So mm -hmm. you're all over this. And I mean, you've told us time and time again, and it's just really cool to hear that whole story and how, and like what you've been doing. So could you tap in a little bit to what you're doing, kind of like your occupation as an entrepreneur? I mean, obviously your father and everything, but what is kind of your passions right now and what kind of stuff are you pursuing? Sure. Um, you know, it's all been a challenge. You know, it's all grind. Um, I started out fresh out of college. You know, I pursued the NFL as a punter. At St. Thomas, right? You went to St. Yep, Thomas. went to St. Thomas. And then um, when that was done, I wanted to get into coaching. So my Un first... Unpack that real quick for me. So you... Was that just a one one attempt type thing, or was there kind of a few years behind that? 
I tried for six years. Six years. Okay, wow. I didn't know that. So awesome. I played five years, four and a half year playing. Yep. You know, and um, I had a great senior year, and all the coaches and players were like you should you should pursue it, and so I gave it a shot. And back then, our kicking industry was very small, so I had to travel six hours to go meet with a punting coach. Wow. Um, and so part of my passion as I pursued it was at some point I wanted to give back and teach the kids the things I learned along the way, but maybe last minute or towards the end of my career or my, my cycle of what I was trying to do. So, but yeah, the, the grind of a free agent's hard, you know, there's only, you know, one spot in every roster for, mm-hmm. for kickers and punters. And so I would go to these group tryouts and I'd always fit on, finish in the middle of the pack, which in the nation, that's really good. It's in the top 1% still, but you know, usually the top three or four get all the attention. And I was always like in the middle of 30 punters, you know, so, yeah. um, learn the hard way, you know, in Minnesota, it's hard to train. And now these, they have these little training bubbles everywhere. So you can train year round and which is what I utilize in my training. But back then there weren't those, I had to sneak into the Gophers uh, field house facility a few times just to find an indoor place to train in mm. winter. So, that's awesome. um, yeah, so that was good. And then I, I transitioned out of that. I actually did event planning for like a year and a half. Um, we tried to do. I tried to find a niche of doing celebrity event planning, which was fun. We threw some good parties. Did uh, you have like Mike the Situation on? Yeah, we did Mike the Situation. Back in his heyday. We booked him in a season one. It was like ten thousand dollars just to book him. Oh Jeez. my god! And um, and back then I was getting started. I knew it was going to be a big party. Like event planning was always my nature. I loved planning parties. I I did the parties at St. Thomas. You know, like when there was house parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um. We booked him. I didn't get that good of a cut, but like it was gonna put my name on the, you know, out there as, as the guy that planned it. And it ended up being like the biggest party of the year. Um, and where were these parties? Just like in the cities or in the city? It... Yeah, just at the local bars. Oh, cool. In the clubs. Um, the place we were at uh, isn't around anymore. Bootleggers. Okay. I don't know if you guys remember Bootleggers, but uh, it was a fun. It was a fun party. There's still a Venmo video out there about it. It's pretty okay. sweet. There you go. Um, but it was cool then. You know, we did a few real world parties. Um, I had a friend that was a fellow punter that was on real world Cancun. Yeah, that's the challenge. Yeah, that real world road rules, right? Yeah, they went real world, then you were on real world road rules. And okay. That show transitioned to becoming titled The Challenge. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so one of my buddies did that. So we that was my first gig. I was like, I know you. I, let me let me just give me a chance to like hang out with you. Let me just plan a party. So mm-hmm. we planned a party, and we planned two of them, actually. No way. And, um... And then actually I started having, the, you know, our first kid was coming. Okay. And at that point I was like, you know, I didn't really want to get home at three in the morning, you know, three or four nights a week, right. you know, I'm a night owl, so it was easier to do, but it wasn't good, you know, fair for my family. Right. So I just sort of let it kind of go and then I uh, started the kicking academy. Nice. And I've been doing that for, for 10 years. Wow. Holy cow. So long story to, yeah. to your question. No, it's that's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Awesome. Thanks for breaking that down. Um, okay, so then you started the Kicking Academy, mm-hmm. and that was grassroots, obviously, in the Twin Cities, because that's where you went to school, and your whole career had been leading in there. What were kind of the signs of special teams in that area, in this area, um, at that time, and have you seen the transition, or how have you seen the transition? Sure. Um, well, there weren't really any kicking coaches at the time. You know, I had to drive to southern Wisconsin for my coach, or potentially fly out to you know, Las Vegas or something like that to a bigger time coach. So there wasn't a lot of competition at the time. Um, my first ever camp had like two kids and we had to go to St. James, Minnesota. And that was like an hour and a half south of the cities. It was just the only place we could find a field. Right. So very grassroots. Um, 
And then just slowly it just snowballed. You know, there was a lot of grind to try to get my name out there with contacting high school coaches. Um, you know, just as you would imagine, there's not a lot of emphasis on special teams or kicking. And, mm-hmm. right. But what I had learned is once I had produced a good kicker, um, coaches started paying attention. and like, oh, you know, maybe it helps to have a good kicker. And then they would start referring kids to me. So right. I've had certain schools where I've trained the varsity kicker for like eight years or nine years. Wow. So it's... It's fun to see that and to get like really intertwined with high school sports. Yeah, and if you're around for ten years, like you're, you've built a foundation, right? Like mm-hmm. you've you've built it to the point where now you have coaches um, referring, you know, other players to you, and and mm-hmm. it all started from you know two kids in St. James, and you yeah. and you just grew to four and grew to eight, and then now now you've really built something. So, you know, you you've done it for ten years. Where where is it going? What's the next step for you? It's growing well. You know, I, I feel like I've established the reputation of being the go-to place in Minnesota. Um, my goal is to be the go-to place in the Midwest. Okay. And then after that, I just want to be respected as a coach nationally. You mm-hmm. know, so if people say, best Stems football academy, you know, they know that I do a good job. You know, put on a good camp. You sure. Know? There's organizations out there that are run national camps and things like that, and I don't know if we'll ever get to that point, but it'd be nice. But at least I just want to have the reputation of doing good work and producing good specialists. That's awesome. Right on. Um, now kind of transition into the back pocket and back pocket core questions. So you've listened to all 100 of our <laughs> podcasts that we've put out there, a little over 100 now. A few golden nuggets, one that sprinkled that make it 100. Which, like, I'll say it a million times, but that's amazing. Yeah. Like, the golden nuggets was a great idea. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So I like we'll, that one. We'll talk feedback in a little bit here, but sure. I know where Andrew's going so right you, now. you know the question. The first question that we ask in, in a back pocket sense is, what is your average quality? And you know how we frame it. Yeah. You know, what's funny is over the last year, I've actually thought about it. I was like, man, what would I say if I ever got asked <laughs> that? And I, it still took me until today to kind of like figure it out. But, um, you know, I'm I'm super driven with what I want to do with my life. You know, I want to make an impact. And I think sometimes I do too many things. And I feel like I kind of stretch myself out. You know, doing a podcast, running a kicking business. You know, we're trying to run an, an evaluation platform, you know, uh, try to have a family with two kids. Right. So I think I stretched myself out a little bit and, um, you know, hoping that one of those things really pans out in the long run. But, right. um, you know, that's probably my average, you know, quality. I'm not good with finances. I have, I could be better at that too. So I guess I'll give you two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're kind of, you're yeah. probably preaching to the choir on that one. Yeah. Right. I, Would you say so? I totally agree. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I, I feel the same way, man. I, I do the same things. I, I feel like I do so much sometimes where it's just like, oh, gosh, what do I do? But, I mean, how old are you right now? Sorry, if you don't mind me I'm thir- asking. 37. Dude, you're 37. You're so young, you know? Mm-hmm. You're that, and that's come from 22-year-old guys yeah. telling you you're young. And uh, I think if you stick to the grind and, you know, follow kind of that, just be patient with all of it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're, it's, you're spread thin and you're stressed out, but you also are so in control of all of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's 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 a lot, but you're doing it right. Yep. I mean, if you can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And what, what if you were to guess? Like, I mean, this will probably be funny listening to this in a couple of years. But if there was one thing that you could do if money wasn't an, an option or an issue or of any value, what would it, what would you do? If money wasn't an issue, yeah. I mean, I travel the world, but uh, but I would I would like to do the podcast full time. That'd be great. Really? Okay. And. Nice. Um, it's fun. I mean, the chance to interview these NFL athletes, mm-hmm. you know, and 
they, they still interact with you, you know, you shoot them a, a text, you know, and say, hey, good job on the game, and they respond. I mean, like, like damn, that's that's mm-hmm. sweet. You know, Will Lutz just said thanks, you know, or Harrison Butker, you know. So, I mean, the kicking academy, I'm, I'm two years into doing it full time. Right. I, I did it as a side hustle for eight years, and finally I got a chance to do it. It was challenging. So I wish I would have done it earlier, maybe when I had one kid or no kids. Mm-hmm. So that's the challenge is the compromise with your wife, you know. Mm-hmm. And trying to prove to her that I could do it financially. And uh, what was interesting, you know, if you believe in fate and all that stuff, the product line I sold was kind of sinking. You know, there was a product line I sold. They were developing a newer product line. And I could see that all their eggs were going in this this basket of the new product. But uh, they wanted me to sell the old product because I was still really good at it. So there was getting to a point where I could tell that the emphasis that management was putting on it was was going away and mm-hmm. so I told my wife I was like I, I think I'm going to look for a new job I've been kind of hanging around long enough coincidentally that week I found out they were going to lay me off and lay off the whole you know stop the whole product line and it just sort of opened the door for me to just really start going full time with the kicking academy and you know I interviewed for jobs and I was crushing it in every interview I had a lot of experience and then for some odd reason I either wouldn't hear from them with the final answer or I'd get the most nitpicky answer as to why I didn't get the job and I was like Maybe it's fate. Maybe it is. maybe I'm supposed to be a kicking coach because I love giving back and changing these kids' lives. And we tried it. I told my wife, "Give me a year, and if I can't produce financially, then I'll go back into the real world." You know. And so you're still here. I'm still here. Yes. Yeah. Two, two years into it, as mm-hmm. of November. That's awesome. So freaking cool. And one of the one of my favorite things to note about that story, or one of my biggest takeaways, is you've been your own boss this whole time. Whether it's been you pursuing that NFL career. Um, and controlling as much as you can throughout that process mm-hmm. and then taking that to the next step and then um, event planning, that was your gig. Mm-hmm. And then you take it to, I mean, you had this full-time job, but you really knew inside you that you wanted to be your own boss in Special Teams Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Do you know, like, could you think back to maybe something that kind of led to you, like, yo, I'm an independent man that knows, how, that wants to have that control, but can feel, can knows that they can provide that value it's not just that control aspect that's that idea of you have an idea that could be worth to a lot of different people yeah I mean I was always good at selling you know mm-hmm. and so I was always you know one of the tops at that whenever you had to sell stuff for school or whatever I always did well at my job but giving back was where I just could feel it in my heart you know and then there was a point where I just was like this is worth it you know like to be able to impact a kid's life so much that they're playing division one football and I was responsible for probably 90% of that or 80% of it, at least being the teacher, giving them the content that they needed to work on, helping make that connection. And they're playing on TV or they're playing Division three football or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they got a college education because of their kicking leg. And so, like, that, once I kind of realized that, that giving back, um, you know, and then there was probably an aspect where, like, as I pursued the NFL, I didn't quite have these resources of knowledge mm-hmm. that would have helped me. And so I wanted to make sure that those kids got it earlier than me. Yeah, and I think one thing you also did was you gave back based on your experience that you didn't have. So now you're giving, I mean, you said you had to drive six hours to find a coach. Mm-hmm. Right now you're the coach in the Twin Cities where you needed a coach back then. Mm-hmm. Then you have all these kids that are you know, trying to be the best versions of themselves so they can go to college, get a scholarship, and play. Um, you're giving them tools to... Um, kick that long field goal, be accurate, you know, give them all the things that they need to maximize their own potential. Mm-hmm. So on the, like the greater scale of things, I mean, you are, you're, 
your whole business, your whole mantra, everything is based on giving, which is freaking awesome. Yep. So cool. I, w- I would ask, um, you know, in those eight years, actually, I would say in your first year um, going full-time in uh, Special Teams Academy, what was, like, the hardest part? Was there just the stress of doing it right away, or was it you just kind of hit the ground running, or how'd it go? The hardest part, and I never had a name for it initially until I heard it on another podcast that I listened to, but so the term is imposter syndrome, where thinking you're not good enough or some, you know, where somebody will take what you say and, and have value with it. Mm-hmm. So for me, my punting coach at the time was like, you know, you should become a punting coach. You should train kids. I was like, nah, I'm just a Division three guy. You know, who's going to listen to me? You know, I'm not, I didn't go to Texas or Minnesota or whatever. Right. So that was always kind of in the back of my mind is I wanted to prove you wrong or prove it, you know. And so I also had the drive where if somebody said I couldn't do something, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it, you know. Right. So... Can't be a good kicking coach? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be the best one out there. So that was also my drive is to prove people wrong if mm-hmm. there was doubt ever. So so initially was wondering if I was good enough or people would listen to what I have to say for going to a Division three school. And I guess maybe this kind of goes right off that, and you might have already answered it, but what would be in your back pocket during those times? Um, and maybe when it was like someone that kind of just said, hey, you can't, I, I don't, you're not good enough. What, what do you have like a mental attribute or a habit that you kind of was you were able to stay on that path to overcome it yeah um, I mean I always live by the golden rule you know so I want to I want to give them enough um, I wanted to show loyalty mm-hmm. you know in our industry you know there's a lot of people in the swamp a little bit too you know there's there's good and there's bad coaches out there and I right. wanted to prove to those kids that they could count on me so I gave them everything you know I would text them after the game, say how the game go. You know, uh, oh, um, St. Thomas talking to you. Oh, I know the coach. Let me uh, let me just make a connection. You know, so I would try to do the. I would try to go above and beyond, so that they could trust me and uh, and I could do good good things. And it probably took until my fourth year where I really was like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing. I've produced some guys that have gone up to Division One football, mm-hmm. and they basically went through my farm system of training from start to finish, and. You know, people take me serious. You mm-hmm. know? So that was kind of like, took me about four years to really sort of feel that. Nice. And, and what's cool is like you're now building something that's much bigger than yourself. Like when they see Coach Hughesby, they don't see the the D3 um, football punter. They mm-hmm. see a guy who's produced all this talent for others. You know, not all, I think, yeah, the, the fact is that not only a D3 punter. Not because only, yeah. The, I mean, being a punter in Division three, having the commitment to do that, it's not easy, yeah. yeah. Because first off, that's it's the same position we were in. It's the lowest of the ability to play football in the next level, mm-hmm. and it's entirely motivated by you. Mm-hmm. And then you're in the special teams role, which you're saying, as you mentioned earlier, it was like not a lot of people put the thought into it as necessary. Mm-hmm. And you've been you've done a great job to continue to um, improve that thought process. But you're a Division three football player, and you're taking that to the next level is. I think one of the, our biggest takeaways from you and what yeah. you've been doing in your career is mm-hmm. using that D3, I can do anything if I put my mind to it, mentality and taking it to your next venture. So sorry cutting your question off, but no, I just no, wanted to make that point now. But I think that's a conversation that we should have right now. I mean, we're all Division three football players from St. Thomas. And yeah. That's cool as shit. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is I think probably what also drew me to you guys is I was a linebacker as well. And I was low on the depth chart. You know, yeah. I played scout team. You know, we didn't do that Friday night bowl game thing. You know, we just had a JV team. Right. You know? So I think I connected with that too with you guys because 
I didn't really have a chance to start varsity until my fifth year, even as a punter, I mean, as a linebacker. And then at that point, they were like, you're too valuable. We can't get you hurt because you're punting really well, you know. Mm-hmm. So so I drove hard to be, like, a starting linebacker, and, uh, and all of a sudden they're like, you know, you're too valuable as a punter. So that was kind of an interesting transition in the end. Yep. Well, and I think it's great. It's a great point about teamwork. It's like you, you probably were going to be a pretty above-average linebacker, but you were the best asset for the team as a punter. Mm-hmm. And so that's your role, right? I mean, yeah. It doesn't matter. You're not getting sacks. You're not getting interceptions. You're making big hits. You're punting the ball and pinning a team down inside the tent. Like, that's your that's your role. You do it to the best of your ability. I think mm-hmm. that's freaking awesome. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> so kind of an al- an- analyzing the, uh, the punter role real quick. I'm watching the Georgia-Alabama game, and I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a Georgia fan, big-time Georgia fan. My mom went there, um, went to a bunch of games when I was a kid, just triplet, tra- traveling down to Atlanta. And this is the correct game, right, with the punter? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The punter kept on trying to pit it on the one-yard line mm-hmm. repeatedly, and it was driving me nuts. And he would, like, jump in Georgia's team. Is, am I thinking of the correct game? Yeah, yeah. so, I, I, yeah, you're, Take, just keep it going. Okay, and... Georgia didn't have the discipline to stand on the one yard line and turn around and catch it. They would mm-hmm. like run and like try to time it up and bat it back. Mm-hmm. Why can't you? Why can't if he's that precise? Like every single time he's putting it on the one, it would bounce in. Yeah, dude, put it on the six, put it on the eight, and like give your team a chance. Mm-hmm. But I think I can't, that we were demanding that of him to be that perfect, and it was like guys, like yeah. getting inside the ten is pivotal. Yeah, that's incredible that he can do it. I mean, I would probably just tell that guy to. Punt a little higher, like you said, try to drop it on the six. And we always train the, the gunners to run down, get to the goal line, turn around, and, and keep it from going out of, right. out of bounds or in the end zone. And so yep. I think that the punter probably could have just angled his drop just a little bit more to get a little bit more hang time, mm-hmm. which allow that coverage to get down there right. and then stop the ball. Do you agree with that strategy, though? Like, don't go for gold on the one-yard line and take that chance. That, like, it's a 10% chance you're going to get it on the inch yeah. yard line, right? So why aim for that every time? Why not aim for like the any t- anywhere inside the 10, right? Yep. Because anywhere inside the 10 is better than the 20 yard line, especially when you're playing in an SEC game and it's against Alabama. You're putting on the 40. And you're up 28 to 14 in the third quarter. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I mean, we train the guys to drop the ball in the 10. Yeah. Because if you do an end over end hit, it should hit the ball and bump sideways. Exactly. If you do it right. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't, it'll roll forward, and those punt returners don't catch anything past the 10-yard line. Right. So, you know, it's going to roll in the end zone, so you might as well just adjust. Yeah. Yep. I also apologize to, like, all the listeners who are, like, these kids, these guys are football psychos. We can't look at football the same after playing four years at, under Coach Caruso. Yeah, Coach Caruso-isms everywhere. Dude, he was awesome. By the way, I love that interview, so that was my favorite. But uh, Really? That was, your, like, your favorite podcast? That was my favorite, because I, I really like Caruso, and mm-hmm. I respect him. And um, I learned a lot, actually, being a coach there. And, you know, when he'd do those little kind of powwow meetings in, in fall camp, yeah. I would sit there and, like, write notes of things like he would say. And yeah. I could, like, totally relate to it as, like, a family man at the time. You know, mm-hmm. he's trying to teach you guys, like, life skills. Mm-hmm. But, like, I was, like, going through it at the time, you know, and, like, how to talk to my wife or how to, like, handle certain things. You right. know, and he gave me ideas, and I'm like, man, I'm going to do that with my kids, you know. So, yeah. so I totally respect Crusoe. For all that stuff and you know I sent him an email when the season was done and you know there were other reasons why I couldn't return but uh, I was like I really learned a lot from you and enjoyed it but it was so much fun to coach you guys and just be there like every day I relived like old stories everything just came back to me you know like yeah. oh what did I do here I went to scooters I went to a party here or I was living in Brady or Ireland 
like so many stories came back just hearing you guys like talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was really fun. I'm trying to think back if you might have been the first hire of a St. Thomas football graduate that wasn't under Coach Caruso. Because yeah. I know he brought in his own guys right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't anyone on the staff that was probably, um, maybe there was, but I don't rem- I don't recall. I don't know the exact details, but he, he was, that's pretty cool. That I didn't really think about that, that you were playing bef- way, well before Coach Crusoe's era. And I don't know how many coaches were in between that, but. Just Don Rooney was the previous one. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Um, just, that's awesome. But yeah, St. Thomas football, the evolution. Dude, it's, it's so wild. But you mentioned your favorite podcast was the Caruso podcast. Um, but I mean, you've listened to all of them. So I, I really want to pick your brain cause you're a very specific person that we need to talk to Sure. and just get some feedback on. So, um, I guess you're, what, what's like your biggest takeaway so far? Like what's the one thing? Oh, you got, I, a, question. Got, I got a good question. Okay. Why, what, what were we doing that made you say, I can, I want to hear the next episode yeah, there if go. there was something there. Well, first of all, since when I can do something, I go all out, you know, so when we started talking about podcasting, you were the pretty much first podcast I listened to, and then I started finding more, and I, I was like, I'm just going to listen to what they do. So I would listen to everyone, and I, would, I was like, oh, that's a good idea. I like that. So, I mean, I like your sort of genuine interest in the people, in the questions, and I like the subtle humors and, and mm-hmm. jokes and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I, I just thank liked it for, for the ideas. Thank you for calling us. It's you, funny. Yeah, you yeah. funny in there. Not many funny. people do, so <laughs> we appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know, I just I just liked it and you know I wanted to learn as much as I could about podcasting so I, I listened to how you guys do it cuz I know I could relate to you guys versus Gary Vaynerchuk who's already reached the you know the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. So I you know I've learned with like coaching you know there's only you only do so much learning from the best of the best but you can only relate so much. So if you listen to like average guys doing it I could probably learn more. Oh, so that's a great way to put it. So like when when I'm coaching and we run camps and we do film study I don't just sit there and show videos of Thomas Morstead the whole time. We might use it as an example, but then I also show examples of other kickers that I've trained where it's more relatable because they're sort of flat a little bit, and I'd be like, this is what it can look like, and then, then I show them a, a video that's three years later and say, this is where you could be. Right. So I try to I try to connect the real person. And I probably actually learned that from your guys' podcast a little bit too, is just trying to connect with the average guy a little bit and make them sort of see it better in that regard. Dude, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, that fires me up. I love that, dude. Um, what is what does it mean to be a marketing intern? Yeah, to you, man. I've heard so many versions of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I just just supporting you guys. You know, I like what you do. I like to listen to what you guys say. You know, um, I like the front end and the back end. I usually always listen to the back end because I always like the "What did you learn?" thing and hear you know hear yeah. that stuff. You know, the average quality. That's that's funny to me. Um, what did you think of the change? Yeah, we had the, you know how we had our own segment in the front, and then we combined it and put it all in the back. Do you accept the change, or are you okay with that? I like it. Okay. Um, sometimes the challenge is long podcasts, you know, yeah. is okay. st- staying connected the whole time, but podcasts mm-hmm. allows you to start and stop whenever you want, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. I like your Golden Nuggets segment. I think that's good, pulling out the best stuff. Um, so are you listening to, like, the entire episode on the Monday and then you're also listening to the Gold Nuggets as well, like the next week when it it's comes okay out. if you're not. If you're, uh, if you're not, I understand. Because you, you already said you listened to our "What Did You Learn" segment, and that's all I care about. That's freaking <laughs> awesome. I make it to the back end. Yes. Um, it's usually not what it happens. 
because I've already got like a queued up list of all these other ones I'm trying to listen sure, to. Sure. So I just sort of like fit it in, like, oh, here's some Gary V's. I'm gonna drop in the, you know, the back pocket, or here's some sports one, fantasy football ones. So yes. I try to fit it in so I'm not like falling too far behind. Yeah. Um, probably of the interviews. If I look back at the scale of it, I've probably listened to 85% of what was said. Sometimes I fast forward some of the, the actual interview if I just not connecting on some of the stuff they're talking about. So yeah. I'll just fast forward and I just listen to what you guys say at the end. Okay, love it. I want to give you guys the listening stat too, so I do listen till the end. So, Hell yeah, so. it's huge. So what's like um, outside of the Caruso podcast? Any um, stand out to you? Any any like one that you distinctly remember, or how about like just a moment where you're like that was dope or something? I don't know. You know, the Sullivan ones were kind of cool, mm-hmm. you know? Um, just the fact that you got her on the podcast, I thought that was kind of cool. The shock value. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Three Father, times. Father Deese, because he was there when I was at St. Thomas. Oh, that's oh, yeah. right. Right on. Um, uh, let's see. I mean, any of the St. Thomas football players you did was good, because just I knew them, so I could connect a little bit more with some mm-hmm. of the stories. Right. Um, the beach one you guys did was pretty funny, you know, yes. when you guys were sitting on the beach. Yep. I liked that one. Dude, people, that is like one of the most... We get so much feedback on, like, that podcast was sick, which that is one. episode seven, right, with Joey Tats. But also, we did one at Poolside, which could, could pretty much can be considered the beach in Hilton Head. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, is that the one you were talking about? Was the... No, the beach one. The guy that was you guys have been drinking and yeah. just read some random dude. You asked the podcast. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Joey Tats. Joey Tats. Joey Tats, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the astronaut guy, I didn't find him until you, you talked about it. Right. And then I was, like, upset. I was like, God, I didn't know Gary Vee was in town. So, like, I was, like, all researching it. And I was like, did they ever advertise this? And, I, and then I listened to some astronaut podcast, you know, so. Isn't he awesome? Know. Yeah. Nick is so awesome. Yeah, he's very motivated. He's been a big-time glue piece for us in the, the past, what, like, four, four-ish months. Yep. He's been a good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys I connect with because of the, the entrepreneurial journey that they talk about. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, some of your sponsors I've connected with, you know, your Skyline guy. Yeah. We've talked. We haven't worked out anything yet, but we've talked. You know, and your um Scott, you know, he's a good guy. We've talked to Scott Chapman a few times. Yeah. Oh he's, yeah, he's Scott Crisman. Christmas Christmas Scott Chapman, yeah. Yep. So he's done some good stuff for us. So I mean I listen to everything and you know you're and try but to that's get what the best part is like you're not only listening to the episodes, which is great, but you're also utilizing all of the people that have come on the show too yeah. which is yeah. so cool and I, you're a great example of someone that's like hey these guys have someone on here that i have of interest so you text us and then mm-hmm. we just say of course you can like we'll connect you yeah. because you keep doing that for everyone else mm-hmm. so you're comfortable in doing that on your own end yeah um and i think that's one thing our marketing intern should definitely feel comfortable is asking for help and if they see someone have having the ability to provide value or know someone that can provide value be comfortable just ask Exactly. It's all that matters. That's not the part. I mean, just asking is, is half the you know half the work, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people are afraid. I used to be that type when I was younger. I was afraid to ask questions. Yeah. Because probably one time in middle school, I got teased for a question I asked in school, so I I was really sort of humble at the time, and I didn't ask a lot. And so, running a business, I had to be like outgoing. So like, worst worst thing that could happen is they say no or they don't respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just like sales. You want a yes, you want a no, or maybe later. You know, so as long as you get something, right? Yeah, just try, you know, worst that can happen is no, you know. Love that, man. Coach Husby, I just want to say you are a phenomenal marketing intern, a phenomenal, I mean, you you helped give me an internship my junior year, which mm-hmm. was awesome, so you're a phenomenal boss, <laughs> uh, but now, right. I mean, you're a phenomenal friend, 
And yeah. this is awesome that we've connected and made this connection and st- kept connected and um, through just podcasting. Yeah. Uh, and you're the perfect person, like we said in the very beginning of this episode, the perfect person to have on as our final marketing intern <laughs> because of all of this full whirlwind, full cycle moment. Yeah. And you're you're a leader, um, not only by example from listening to the podcast, but I mean also with what you do mm-hmm. um, as your other as your side hustle to being a marketing intern. Yeah. So it's just phenomenal. <laughs> I love what you guys are doing, or you specifically are doing, and I hope everybody would do more of what you do. Yeah, I appreciate um, it. I like helping you guys out, too. I mean, sometimes at 2 in the morning, I'll text one of you guys, be like, hey, dude, check this out. I think it's good. You know? So it's like, <laughs> I might as well help you guys out, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Give back, and I mean, why hold that information myself? I might as well just help you guys out, too. Exactly. 100%. So that takes us to our last question. Hell yeah. What did you learn today from the moment you woke up to when we're having this conversation? God, that, a lot went on today. I'm a landlord. You know, we I own a house to, that we rent out. Are you like a just... scummy landlord to, to college kids or like a cool landlord? No, we have families that live in their house. It's just our old house that we bought when we got married and we kept okay. it going. Yeah, I'm not trying to call you a scummy landlord. No, I know, but <laughs> we've had a lot of those. Yeah, no, I've been there. I've seen that. Um, I've learned a lot from, from that process today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to broker, you know, deals for future camps. I mean, I was sitting at Starbucks waiting for the interview and I was talking to people about shirt sponsorships and, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, but with certain things that happened today, I, you know, it just made me realize more about, you know, giving your word and, and, and sticking to it and going above and beyond because some of the interactions I had in the, during the day, those people didn't keep their word or they, it didn't work out, you know? Right. So I was like, man, I'm not going to let that stuff happen. You know, that's like the reputation I'm trying to, trying to have is, is give back and keep my word. So some, some good interactions that happened today and some, some, that worked as well, you know, or didn't, didn't go as well. So just, just trying to keep my, it reinforced to keep my word and just kind of going above and beyond with what I do. Well, you've given us your ears and your <laughs> words. So thank well, you so much, man. You're, you're, you're a phenomenal guy. Well, thanks. You guys influenced me and I'm glad I can influence you guys back as well. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Marketing Intern Spotlight. Before you go, we'd love to let you guys know about our survey. You can take our survey in the link of this uh, this podcast, as well as follow us on The Back Pocket Podcast on Instagram. Hit us up on our blog on Your Back Pockets, that's with an S dot com. And of course, always stay in touch. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Subscribe, be a listener. Always interact with us, man. We'd love to provide value to you.